Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's imperative that the public do their part in following this community gathering order. It really hurts, and it's a big blow to everybody's economy on the block. We know that taking precautions immediately will save lives. It's going to be a little scary, you know, trying to get, you know, your bills are due still, you know, now that this virus is going on. I want to assure the people of Texas that we're going to make it through this. We've been through situations like this before. We made it through SARS. We made it through Ebola. We made it through H1N1. And we're going to make it through this together as well. It's been a traumatic past few days as the nation, state, and city leaders scramble to adequately react to COVID-19 the coronavirus. Thank you so much for joining me on the latest edition of KRLD In-Depth. Now, many of us were shocked when we saw major sporting events like the entire NCAA men's basketball tournament canceled, the Masters delayed, and the NBA, NHL, Major League Soccer, and Major League Baseball seasons postponed. This has been declared a pandemic that it's, it's virtually impossible to contain it and it's gonna become widespread and the NBA community is not immune. President Donald Trump invoked emergency powers to battle what health officials are now calling a pandemic as deaths accelerate in Europe. To unleash the full power of the federal government in this effort today, I am officially declaring a national emergency. Now here at home, Governor Abbott declared a state of disaster for Texas. This will authorize the use of all available and necessary state government resources to help prepare and respond to COVID-19. This will give the Texas Division of Emergency Management the ability to reassign and fully utilize personnel where they are needed the most. South by Southwest Festival had already been canceled and Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner made the decision that Houston's livestock show and rodeo must abruptly end. We all have the utmost respect and love for the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. We are all in agreement. It is a decision that uh, is being made in the best interest of the health and safety of people within our region. Six Flags, North Texas zoos, concert venues like Billy Bob's, the Perot Museum, all closed. Numerous school districts across the state have extended their spring breaks for students while they try to curb the spread of the virus. And cities all over the state have declared a health emergency. So how did this all start? And what are we actually dealing with here? I think it's important to take a look at the virus itself and separate fact from fiction. Dr. Katherine Colquitt, infectious disease specialist in Fort Worth, explains just what COVID-19 is. 
This is a novel coronavirus. We have a lot of coronaviruses um, uh, that humans have been exposed to over time, but this is a new one that first appeared in an open, mostly meat and fish market in a place called Wuhan City in Hubei province in China. Uh, and it's clearly capable of spreading very fast around the world. Since it emerged and was recognized, it's now present in over 100 countries. We know that it spreads by droplets. But it does seem that some of those droplets stay in the air for a little bit longer than we're familiar with most other respiratory viruses floating in air. Um, the reasons for the measures that we are instituting are that we don't have any treatment. If you go to an emergency room and you have flu, you'll probably get a prescription. Um, if you're very sick in the hospital, you might get uh, IV medicine. Uh, we don't have any medicines for this virus yet. They're in development, and we have a vaccine that's already being um, trialed in humans, but it isn't available for widespread use yet. And it takes a little while for the vaccine production, once the vaccine is improved and proved to be safe, to get up and running so it can be distributed worldwide. And with over 100 countries, everybody is going to want this vaccine. So the measures that we use to try to control coronaviruses and other respiratory viruses, because it is one of many, are, are things that you all already probably know how to do. There are things like cough hygiene, meaning you cough into your sleeve or you cover your cough. You hand wash or use hand sanitizer if soap and water aren't available. And probably most importantly, you stay home if you're sick. You don't, you don't play the hero and come to work. If you're, if you're sick, please stay home. If you're very sick, you should go to a hospital. If you're mildly ill, you can stay home and just maybe telemedicine with your doctor or his, his or her office. But, but please don't come to work or go out if you are ill. Usually, the guidance has changed a lot because this is an evolving understanding of this new pathogen for us, and it has people somewhat frightened. The general public's sort of nervous. But in, in, in thinking about people's risk for coronavirus, you're thinking about people who have traveled to countries where there's widespread disease with this virus, people who have taken care of or been in very close contact with a case. And now the guidance has expanded to people who, are, who have a fever and a serious respiratory illness, typically a lower respiratory illness with cough and shortness of breath. So now that we know what we're dealing with and how to combat it, city leaders are faced with the challenge of trying to slow the spread. Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins issued an emergency health declaration. And I'm issuing a community gathering order prohibiting community gatherings of more than 500 people. It's imperative that the public do their part in following this community gathering order. I know Dallas County is up to the challenge. Um, our people always uh, rise to the challenge, just as we have uh, in tornadoes and um, uh, crisis before this. And I have confidence in all of you. Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson signed a local state of disaster. This wasn't a step that I took lightly. I think everyone here understands the temporary economic hardships that this decision can create. But this was a necessary step to respond to a rapidly evolving situation in our city and in our country and around the world. Given that we now have evidence of community spread of coronavirus in the city of Dallas, we must act now to slow the spread. We've seen how this pandemic has escalated in the rest of the world. And we know that taking precautions immediately 
will save lives, especially the lives of our most vulnerable residents. Tarrant and other counties signed similar declarations, some forbidding gatherings of 250 or more. Who does this affect? You're talking about churches, bars, restaurants, where there are at least 250 or 500 or more people gathered. Many churches deciding to cancel services and offer online sermons for churchgoers to watch. Now, Johnson spoke about economic hardships, which will no doubt be felt as concerts and large gatherings are canceled. The big Chris Stapleton concert, which was supposed to open Globe Life Field in Arlington, was nixed, and the annual St. Patrick's Day Parade in Dallas was canceled. Steve Betzelberger is the parade organizer. I've been doing this for 20 years, and now, the last minute, everything's gone. I, I can't go against what the city and the health department says. It's, it's their decision. I'm upset. I spent a lot of time. A lot of work, a lot of money getting this thing started. And it's a big blow to everybody's economy on the block. So there is no doubt that the virus is going to take it out on people's bottom line. So just how bad is it going to get? Carol D's LP Phillips talked to SMU economist Mike Davis about where we're headed. Mike, what are we starting to see? The numbers are starting to trickle in. Yeah, they're just starting to trickle in. We're not seeing any macroeconomic numbers yet that would indicate that we're entering into a recession, but that's just because it takes time for those numbers to catch up with the reality. We all know what the reality is. Uh, you know, games are not being played, trips are not being taken, uh, people aren't even going to movies. Uh, and then there's a lot that we can't see. Uh, there's big disruptions either happening or soon to happen in supply chains. So it's going to be harder to get stuff made, even if you can get your workers into work. Uh, yeah, it's not good. All right. So here's the list I've got. We've got six flags closed. This is their big time of the year. Spring break is when they do a lot of business. Spring break is when the airlines are typically full and they're it's way down at Love Field. Uh, Delta is talking about pilots and, and, and American Airlines talking about pilots that are, are testing positive. Uh, the whole thing has just got people scared to death, but it's going to eventually hit A, the payrolls, B, the tax rolls, and C, uh, the businesses that try to service these people. Yeah, that's right. And what we can hope happens is that everybody keeps their wits about them. We know there's going to be a lot of temporary stuff like the airlines and so forth. Uh, we can hope that these businesses and these individuals can figure out a way to keep going because let's not get too carried away. This will end at some point and then we can get back to business. And we could only hope that the businesses and the individuals haven't been too scarred by, by having gone through this. Will there be a rush in ramping back up? That's an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, are you going to have a bunch of people who say, hey, I did not get to take my spring break trip, and so let's really have a blowout trip, you know, in June and July. Um, I just don't know how people are going to react when we can finally come back. I imagine there are going to be people that are hurt worse than others. Downtown, for instance, a lot of the restaurants depend on traffic from, say, AT&T, which has just told all of its workforce, work out of home. Uh, the small businesses, are they able to withstand this kind of hit? That's I really worry about them, uh, you know, because a lot of them don't have the deep pockets or the liquidity, the banking connections to help them carry through. Um, yeah, so it's I, you, you worry about that. You know, you can turns out you can you can drink remotely 
uh, from home, but you don't need a bartender. So it's it's going to be tough for bartenders. I, I don't see a lot of silver linings out there, but let me give you one, and it's, it's maybe a bronze lining. Uh, and that is when this ends, and this will end, um, people hopefully will have learned some useful lessons. So businesses will know uh, how vulnerable their supply chains are. Uh, individuals may realize that, hey, I haven't saved enough money. I need to keep an emergency fund on hand. Um, that's, you know, if that happens, again, it's, it doesn't doesn't make up for all the bad stuff, but it does help. Now, the nation's health care facilities are on the front lines when it comes to battling the coronavirus. Now, Nancy Foster is with the American Hospital Association and spoke with Carol D's Chris Summer about the resources they need in this fight. Well, you may know that we uh, have asked Congress to help us out with some additional resources, important resources that will enable us to be better prepared um, to, to fight this disease. They include uh, things like money for constructing uh, additional places where we can, additional sites where we can test individuals who might be seeking a test for coronavirus. We're, we're reaching for additional testing facilities so that we can get the answers back more rapidly as to whether or not someone has coronavirus de- disease. We're looking for additional funding to help staff up our hospitals to make sure that if we get a surge of patients, we have all the nurses and doctors uh, that we possibly can uh, on the front lines there with the patients. Nancy, is there a concern right now that some of the nation's hospitals could be overwhelmed by this situation? Chris, as we uh, look at the data that have come out of China and Italy and elsewhere, we know that this disease can rapidly escalate in a population. And in that case, hospitals will engage in their in what we call our surge plans. We have additional capacity. We will open that up. We will staff it as best we can. We will we will work to make sure that everyone who needs hospital care gets that hospital care. Every person who is listening to this to think very carefully about their own actions and take precautions for themselves and their loved ones, including working from home if they can, staying out of school if the school is closed, um, not interacting in large groups, washing their hands, and taking other steps that CDC is recommending for individuals so that they are staying healthy and keeping away from needing health care. And Nancy, how much concern is there for the nation's health care professionals who are on the front lines of this fight right now? Chris, what a great question. Our health care professionals, doctors and nurses, pharmacists and techs, are our most valuable resource in any health care fight uh, against any disease. The challenge with this particular disease is that we do not have a vaccine for it yet. And therefore, our healthcare workers are also vulnerable to becoming ill with the disease. So we really, really want to make sure that they have all the information possible in order to take the right steps. We call them infection control practices to make sure they stay healthy as well. And that includes 
wearing surgical masks or, when appropriate, a respirator, wearing gloves, making sure that, that they are protected themselves so that they can continue to care for anyone who needs care in our hospitals. Now, of course, responding to the coronavirus outbreak is especially critical for nursing homes and other similar facilities. Dr. Cheryl Harding is the president and CEO of the James L. West Center for Dementia Care in Fort Worth and spoke to Summer about the precautions they are taking at their facility. The safety of our residents and also our team members is our number one priority. Uh, our residents, um, being you know average age of 80-ish, are the most vulnerable to this virus. And so we have been following the uh, guidelines from the CDC as well as the Center for Medicare Services. Uh, we are restricting visitors to our community. Um, we are doing um, screening for everyone who enters, all of our employees and vendors. Uh, we've we've really canceled all volunteers, all non-essential. Uh, medical, non-medical essential type personnel, so no students. We, we have a lot of students that come in and do clinicals, and we've canceled all that, canceled volunteers, canceled any gatherings, um, group gatherings. Uh, and we are just asking our families to um, stop all visits that are not essential, uh, limiting social visits, and... Um, most of our families are very cooperative and, and understand, and uh, our visits, of course, have dwindled to just about nothing. So we're trying to keep our exposure to a minimum. We want our residents and, and staff to be as safe as possible, and the fewer people that come in and visit, the better. And I know when it comes to conventional nursing homes, officials have talked about writing letters, making phone calls, but I know there is special care required for some of the people who you treat at your facility. Is there any other alternative way families can communicate with their loved ones during this time? Absolutely. We have, we always offer uh, options for our out-of-town families and uh, as you know, in the, in, at any time. But of course, now we're expanding that to any of our families here locally. Um, of course, phone calls are always available, but we do Skype and we do uh, FaceTime and you know, lots of ways for them to connect uh, through technology to visit with their loved one. When it comes to additional health protocols for your residents, say, for example, maybe additional fever checks throughout the day, anything of that nature that you're doing right now? We are monitoring our staff and our residents very closely for any symptoms. Um, of course, the staff are monitored, you know, as they come into the facility, but throughout the day as well. And then our residents, uh, we're just monitoring every symptom uh, very closely with our residents and our day program participants to be able to uh, catch anything quickly. We, of course, um, immediately two weeks ago stepped up uh, or longer to stepped up sanitary you know uh, cleaning more frequently and more sanitation rounds and wiping and everyone's everyone's taking part in that we're not counting on just our housekeeping staff to do that all team members have been asked to uh, to sanitize throughout the day um, their, their work areas as well as meeting rooms and things like that now is there any good news rick heller is an expert on infectious disease and had some ideas about where we're headed. He spoke to Chris Summer, who asked him if the current rate of infections could be significantly higher in the form of people who have not yet been diagnosed. I do not believe so. Interesting. Why is that? Well, it's uh, first of all, it's an opinion as informed uh, as I can be on this. 
um, the, what's going on is that contact tracing is pointing back to other people, and those other people are not necessarily exhibiting symptoms. They're going through quarantine, uh, which is basically waiting for the possibility that it, they have it to incubate. By the way, we're getting a lot more testing, and we're not seeing uh, that, con you know, we're seeing some contact creates uh, further spread. But we're not seeing this mysterious asymptomatic spreading uh, as more testing is, becomes available. So on sampling throughout the country, it's making sense still. But uh, there's always this possibility, you know, and there are diseases like this, uh, but not often that um, uh, that there could be, you know, amongst us people who are actually uh, asymptomatic, positive, and spread. It is just so unlikely at this point that we would have, uh, that we could have missed it. That sounds like a definite good thing. Now, one question a lot of people have been asking, do we know if COVID-19 is airborne or would you have to make physical contact with someone to get it? Okay, so we know that we don't have to make physical contact, and usually that's uh, it tends to be under a category of more intimacy, like uh, sharing utensils or towels. We see it in dormitories, you know, in the fall with meningitis. And this is more um, what the CDC is saying is droplet spread, which means that they give a number like six feet. And that would be, uh, you know, sort of the stuff you see coming out of a cough or a sneeze. Um, we've read the Chinese literature in uh, the, their Ministry of Health, and they've shown that it aerosolizes. So the federal government is putting a temporary ban on much of the travel between the U.S. and Europe, and there are many events that are either being held without spectators or just being shut down completely. Are those important steps in helping to bring this under control? There's no question. It is uh, what China has done in quarantine and what we're beginning to do now is the way to make those numbers go down. It doesn't make necessarily the rate, uh, you know, it, while we're doing it, it will uh, slow and get the rate down. It doesn't make it go away altogether. Uh, if it is seasonal, it will, without being extinct or extinguished completely, it will go down significantly. If it is not seasonal, and we have reason to believe that it is, then, you know, all bets off, you know, we're just going to be growing this thing like Wuhan. But like Wuhan, they're starting, they're already leveled, and they're going to start to turn down. People are recovering. Dr. Ned Legary reminds everyone just how serious this is right now. There are things that we really are concerned about. There's no question that you need to be, this needs to be addressed today. If you have a bad cough and or you have a temperature of 100.4 degrees or higher, or you're having problems breathing, you need to call your doctor, your primary care doctor today, uh, and talk to your doctor. Um, if you have classic signs and symptoms of a regular head cold, are we 100% sure you don't have this virus? No, of course we're not. But we're confident that your symptoms are not symptoms that for you are going to wind up uh, likely hurting you. 
So if you have nasal congestion, scratchy sore throat, fullness in your ears, you're tired, uh, again, separate yourself from others. No one should be out walking around in their workplace uh, doing their jobs if they have cold symptoms of any type. We want you to be home. We want to keep you away from everybody else. We want you to get well. Obviously, there's lots to digest here. You can bet that KRLD will stay on top of this issue for you. And we invite you to subscribe to our podcast, KRLD In-Depth. I'm Austin York for News Radio 1080 KRLD. Thanks for listening today. You can also listen to the radio for breaking news, traffic, and weather. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.